And hello everybody, welcome to the Sports Circle Podcast. I'm your host DJ, and as you can see, I'm riding solo for the time being, and hopefully, maybe down the road, I can have a new partner in crime to count down the best moments of uh, the world of pro wrestling, but for now, just me, and welcome everybody. I see people have popped in already, welcome on, uh, of course, people that are watching it live on Twitch and YouTube. Also, uh, for the people that are watching this right now, we will have this on podcast form. So, anyways, yeah, here we go. I know it's a little rough start. <laughs> Try to get everything going. So, now that we got it, let's get right into it, all right? So, this week, it's been a big week in the world of professional wrestling. We got the new show, AEW Rampage, that started this past Friday, and a lot of good things happening as far as the Forbidden Door is concerned with Impact, AEW, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're all mingling together and creating great, great content across the board on all the shows throughout the week. One thing that's for sure, not getting involved, is the world of WWE, but maybe eventually one day that will happen. So let's go right into it, okay? So we got 10, we're going to do the top 10 moments and matches that occurred. In the world of pro wrestling and then we're going to follow it up with the top five power rankings and then the top five shows of the week and that's what we're going to do that's what we do every week on the show so let's go right into it let's go right to number 10. number 10. no got caught uh oh here we go are we going to see a doomsday device doomsday device coming got him gosh that's it cover it's got to be over here Get cover. it's got to be one Jay has a chair. That's it. Jay White's at the hell with that. I'm bringing a chair. DQ disqualification. And number 10 on the countdown this week goes to the World of Impact Wrestling uh, with a tag team encounter between Finn Juice with Juice Robinson and uh, Finley going up against Bullet Club with Chris Bay and Jay White. Um, I enjoyed the story a lot. the story between White and uh, Finley. Uh, the intensity in the ring interactions really showed how ready they were for each other in the encounter uh, upcoming, well, which happened last night at Resurgence. Um, but it really showed at the end of the match where White nailed Finley with the chair. Of course, when he was unconscious from the chair shot, Jay also taunted him. And also, I have to say this too, that it, like you had the interactions between them two, but also Matt Stryker and Elon Brown did an incredible job at commentary trying to explain the uh, hatred between each other, the, uh, the rivalry between the two, and they were talking up their match that was coming up at Resurgence. And that's why I say, like, even to this day, Matt Stryker is one of the best commentators in the business because he really understands, and he treats it like a more of a sport than sports entertainment, like we uh, see in the world of the WWE. But... <clears throat> Besides the story from the match, I also enjoyed the chemistry. And what I mean by that is the chemistry between uh, Jay White and Chris Bay. I mean, for the second time only competing together, they showed incredible chemistry, which shows how good Chris Bay and Jay White are. Um, Of course, then you got Thin Juice. I mean, they're so much fun to watch. They're a great tag team, great face uh, tag team. Uh, But overall, I mean, it was a fun energetic tag team match that sold me on the match between Jay Wright and uh, Finley for the uh, never open weight championship so I'll tell you they, they did that a great 
tag team match, and I can't wait to watch it because I am a little behind. Can't wait to watch the match between um, <laughs> Finley and Jay White. So that was what well, was number ten on the countdown. Let's go right to number nine. Number nine. Carl Anderson. Can you believe what we may be seeing? Listen to this crowd. They're smelling a potential title change. Carl Anderson up on the shoulders. Dark Order thinking fatality. But the, the title belt put, thrown in the ring. Gallo swept out Grayson. Yeah, it's breaking down here a little bit. Gunstun! The gunstun by Carl Anderson. Oh, boy, here we go. And Magic Killer! Magic Killer delivered by the Good Brothers. Two and three, the champions retain. And it wasn't... And number nine, this week goes to the world of AWN slash Impact Wrestling with the tag team match between the Good Brothers and the Dark Order for this Impact Tag Team Champions at Championship. <laughs> um, first thing I would like to say before I cover the matches, I, I'm glad that Impact is finally getting the recognition they deserve, especially being on AW with the whole Forbidden Door thing. Um, it, it, I noticed that prior to this, you weren't hearing much Impact. And even though you had Don Callis, which at the time was the uh, EVP of Impact Wrestling, was fired, if you want to go with the storyline there. But they haven't really showcased uh, Impact Wrestling until this week where you had the tag team titles. And then also, we're going to be talking later on in the countdown about the Impact World Championship. But I'm glad they finally, finally get the recognition they deserve. This is great for Impact, and for Impact, they do put together an incredible product week in and week out, and I hope this brings more eyes to it because this is a company that should have more eyes on it because they do create great content on a weekly basis, and I, you really thought when they moved to Access TV that they would have that kind of, you know, way more eyeballs on the product, but it seems not to be happening. Hopefully, this brings it to that. Now, back to the match. And to overall, it was a great match. Um, Dark Order, we really showed, we saw a couple weeks ago that they could really bring it. They brought it with that 10-man tag with, you know, trying to get Hangman a chance at the uh, world title. And again, you saw it again this week. Grayson and Evil Uno showed the wrestling world again that they could go, this time taking it to the Good Brothers. But the Good Brothers did prevail. They had a cheat, which also made the Dark Order look strong in that matchup. So it was good for them and good for the heels to do what they normally do with the heel tactics. But one thing I want to go into more than just the match, um, the story. And the story of the Dark Order. Now, commentators did an incredible job uh, talking about the story of the Dark Order and how there's dissension with the group because of the treatment of uh, Heyman Adam Page. Um, it wasn't only the commentaries, but also the uh, the group, because who came out with the Dark Order for the tag team match? Here's a chance for two of the guys winning the tag titles, winning belts, bringing titles to the Dark Order, and only Cole Cabana came out. Nothing against him, but only one guy of the big group that they have came out, which... I thought that was a good story in and of itself. So, yeah, overall, um, it was a great match. I'm glad Impact is getting the recognition it deserves. Finally, I, 
I hope they don't break up the Dark Order. I've been a fan since day one, even when they were like taken as a more serious group. Now it, it kind of seems like it went down to the comedic uh, version of uh, the group, but overall, I, I've been a fan. I even have quite a few shirts, including the Brody Lee shirt. Um, hopefully, they uh, continue to uh, <laughs> be together. I, I don't want to see a breakup anytime soon. So that is number nine on the countdown. Let's go to number eight. Number eight. And Nakamura again with a suplex. Nakamura may have Cruz where he wants him. Is Nakamura closing another victory? Can Nakamura do it? Sasa! Cover by Nakamura! Nakamura is the Intercontinental Champion! Are you kidding me? Here is your winner! And the new Intercontinental Champion! Yes, number eight goes into the world of SmackDown this week with Apollo Crews and King Nakamura in an incredible competition for the Intercontinental Championship. And it's a damn shame to see that it happened, but Apollo Crews did drop the title to King Nakamura. Um, we'll get into that further in, uh, as we discuss this, but first I would say the first thing I'm going to talk about with this match is Apollo Crews playing the hill perfectly. Um, doing what he needed to do to get the victory over the king. One, putting the foot on, foot on the ropes when he was uh, doing a pin, um, in the middle of a pinfall. Um, among other things, again, the character has been great. Um, I think he finally found his calling, and I, I'm glad. Um, having someone like Commander Aziz, it's a good, you know, it, it, well, I would say bodyguard, your henchman to do all your dirty work for you. And it's better than what he was doing a year ago. A year ago, he was the U.S. champion and not really doing much with it, feuding with the uh, Hurt Business. Um, of course, I know he, I think he contacted COVID during that time, but still bef during, before and after that, wasn't doing much. He was off TV for a while. Then he come up with this persona, which ultimately led to his uh, victory at WrestleMania. And he's held the title for quite a while, so it's going on a little over four months, which is good. It's a good lengthy title ring. Wish it could have went longer. It's a sin, but if it was to go to anyone, I would say Ken Nakamura is the best guy for it. He is another guy that was put on a back burner for a while, and I guess they didn't know what to do with him, but now putting him in the king persona, and not only that, but on top of that, becoming the Intercontinental Champion, it's good for him. Um, and it's well-deserved. It should be. A guy like that with the incredible talent that he has, he should be in the spotlight. And if it isn't going to be for the Universal title, at least it could be the Intercontinental title and bring prestige to that title that has been long, <laughs> been taken away. It, it is lost its luster um, for quite a while. Uh, I'll say the last couple of years. So that's why I, I feel about not only Apollo Crews, uh, you know, with his persona and then Ken Nakamura, you know, getting his chance. Um, the one thing I would say, going to the matches, I really like the officiated in this match. And one thing I would say, like I've said in the past, um, I, I don't like the fact that the officials get walked all over. And in this match, the referee 
did a great job, whether it was planned or not planned. It's good to see that. At least WWE is doing something that many other promotions don't do. And that's allowing officials to, you know, make the law and, you know, enforce the law. Um, the one thing I'll say is that um, the referee did in the match was first throwing out commander Aziz and Boogs from interfering in the match. Um, Aziz was uh, going to attack Nakamura. Boogs was playing the guitar, distracting uh, Paula Cruz when he got the upper hand. And then, of course, uh, like I was just discussing a moment ago with Apollo Cruz doing his heel, you know, playing the heel perfectly, when he was putting his foot on the ropes while pinning Nakamura, he saw that and stopped the count. Also, at one point in the match, he saw that Cruz had a pin on Nakamura, but his shoulders weren't down, so he wasn't going to count. Great, great heads up by the official, whether it was planned or not planned. Either way, I'm okay with that. That's the way it should be. So that was the one thing I did like about the um, match as well. Besides the match, is the officiating. And I do appreciate old school psychology when it comes to pro wrestling. Um, like I said, it, one thing I'll say after the match, it, it sucks that it comes to an end. The title reign for Apollo Crews. I, like I already mentioned, it was way better than his U.S. title run. Um, I feel like during his run as IC champion, he became... More comfortable with this character, and that's evident. Pardon me, as you heard that. I'm sorry. <laughs> as I'm recording this, one of my notifications popped up. Um, but yeah, it was much needed um, for Apollo Crews to be given this persona and to push. Hopefully, he doesn't fall back down and continues to be a part of Capellan's storylines. I think he will. Maybe we'll get a rematch between him and Nakamura uh, in the near future. Hopefully, you know, it's never too late to put it on SummerSlam or at least uh, the. Pre uh, the kickoff show, but hopefully he can remain one of the top heels on SmackDown because I've really enjoyed what he's doing. I'm more of a heel um, sympathizer. I've always said that, and uh, I'm a big fan of his work. So hopefully he continues to be uh, in the spotlight. If he's not the champion, but at least being a compelling storyline. Now for finally for Nakamura, talk about a man that's been put on the back burner. Like I said, within a month he took the crown from King Corbin. Now he's Intercontinental Champion for the second time. Uh, it's great to see Nakamura being used again like this, and hopefully this, you know, continues for him. Because, I mean, regardless of what you could say about the guy, how he could communicate, I think he communicates well with the audience, um, evidently, because he, he does get a huge pop regardless, you know, where he's at and what the situation. He, he's over with the crowd, so hopefully th this is a lengthy title run and... You know, again, I'm enjoying his work. I want him to be king as well after the fact. So that was number eight on the countdown. We're going to go right to number seven. Number seven. Of New Japan's resurgence facing Tomohiro Ishii. Moose would love to it. Wait, what? Blind Mice, the number one contender. Here is your winner. And number one contender, the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. And number seven on the countdown this week goes to the world of Impact Wrestling. And uh, the number one contender's Battle Royale. 
The winner of this gets a chance at the champion, which we all know now is Christian Cage. We'll be facing him in the upcoming little pay-per-view event that they have on Impact Plus. Um, the first thing I would say, I love the fact that they had storylines in between this uh, this match. And you always like that because with Battle Royals, it can be boring pretty quick if you don't do anything special. And this, I think, not only with the wrestlers, but the commentators, you know, conveying, you know, the hatred that this person had for this and vice versa. It, you know, throughout the match, it, it was great. Uh, kept me entertained, and it's probably the best Battle Royals I've seen in a while. Um, one thing I'll say to start off is W. Morrissey, you know, showing how much of a big monster he is, quickly eliminated three people, and then he had um, a bunch of the smaller competitors in the matchup gang up on him, try to eliminate him, and they failed to do so. He pushed them off like they were a pair of case of fleas, and then came into bigger guys, and Obviously, they were successful at eliminating him, but it, it, it was a good start to it. And then again, going to the storylines, you had the uh, Macklin, you know, he's having a conflict with Petey Williams. And he, when Petey Williams was out in the apron, he eliminated, uh, Macklin eliminated him by pulling him off the apron. Then the whole issue with Mac and Swan with uh, Violent by Design. You had uh, Swan that eliminated Diener, that Rhino eliminated Swan, Mac eliminated Rhino. It, it was like one out for Tad, and it was great because, again, it's the hatred they have for each other, and they, they, they would do anything to, you know, screw their opponent, you know, a rival over of a chance at a world title. So that was a little story that they threw into that battle royal. That was interesting. Um, sorry. Then um, the other thing was um, Moose and Chris Saban. Now we don't know the, um, the the hatred that they had, the little rivalry they had for each other. I mean, they had a good match at Slammiversary, um, so there is that little rivalry that they have with one another. And while Chris Saban and Moose were battling each other, they kind of at the end took their eyes off the prize. <laughs> there was other people in the match, or well, other person. And that was Brian Myers, where he eliminated them both. I loved the fact that Brian Myers won. Um, this is a guy that was dealt a shitty hand uh, in the time that he was in uh, WWE. I mean, the guy is good. And you could say whatever you want. Um, yeah, he, he, he. Just because he is where he is right now with like impact, um, he he should be put in a position. Well, if he's not gonna be world champion, but he's gonna be challenging for it. The guy should be in really good storylines. The guy could go, and he, he should never um, be underestimated. Um, it's a damn shame, like what happened in WWE, because a lot of people have that that like uh, look towards like how they um, portray him as a uh, kind of like a joke in a way. And it shouldn't be that way. The guy is a great worker. He's a great talent. But it's a good opportunity for him. So I'm a, I agree with you know him getting the uh, victory in this battle royal. And, again, it, it goes along with, you know, what he's been trying to do since day one. And it, it was the greatest splash. And I think he did with this battle royal. Um, 
But overall, um, yeah, that was a great battle royal. Like I said, it was one of the best I, uh, <laughs> the best I've seen in a while, and I can't wait for the encounter between uh, Brian Myers and uh, Christian Cage. Can't wait for that. That'll be coming up in about a short couple weeks. So that was number seven on the countdown. Let's go to number six. Number six. Herself. She's trying to get her fingers in that mouth. The crowd is booing. They don't like it. And Britt trying to swing her legs wow. underneath her, trying to get those hips towards the rope. Uh, wow, this really gets in the head of the champion. Oh, counter. Velvet got oh, counter. Got her rolled around. Oh, she's got it. Red Velvet is in trouble. She's in the center of the ring. And Vin oh, that arm. Oh, that injured arm. And Red Velvet just hammering on that wrist. That's basically her striking arm, if you will. The arm that goes inside of the mouth and pulls on the top. Oh, she's she reversed it. She's got the overhook. She, did she get the whole lockjaw in? Let's see. She's going the other way. That's her good head. And look at that right in the great, mouth. Great point, Chris. Locks. She great locked point. Her. She got it. She got it. Number six goes to the world of AEW Rampage from Friday night. Between the good doctor, Britt Baker, going up and putting a title on the line against Red Velvet. Oh, sorry. Got a text alert. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, Britt Baker was putting the title on, against the uh, on the line against Red Velvet. Um, of course, the main event in the first ever AEW Rampage. Um, this was a great moment for Red Velvet. Um for the, you know, a younger talent on the roster. Um, they they put Red Velvet in a huge spot to shine. Uh, main event in the first Rampage show against a women's champion. Um, they definitely put a lot of trust not only in her, but Britt Baker as well. Uh, Britt Baker took care of her, I thought, in the match. And made sure she did her part, uh, make her look like a legit competitor. Velvet also did her part. That do that as well, and, and she looked very confident in the ring. Um, again, it, it, it was a really good matchup. And the one thing I would also add to it is that I, uh, going to the matches, I would I liked how they used Baker's injury in the match. And one example that I'll put is when Red Velvet was put in the lockjaw by uh, Britt Baker, and to escape it, she took her like cast and started smashing her arm. They, she attacked her throughout the match, but it was like that moment it was like when she was really like in desperation. She had to get out of the hold, and she used the injury to get out of the hold. And it, it, it's simple psychology like that. It makes it, it just puts a smile on my face. I enjoyed that because it's almost a lost start in today's wrestling. They told a great story in the ring. I mean, there was a young, eager, you know, challenger um, getting a big chance and a really big chance on a big stage like this. And the main event of the first ever uh, Rampage show. And she did a good job. And taking it to Britt Baker and Britt Baker doing what she does best. Being one of the top women's wrestlers on the roster. And I could say arguably probably top three in the business right now. And everyone has their opinion. My opinion, Britt Baker is definitely top three right now. Overall, it was a great match. Great, great performances by both ladies. And hopefully we see Red Velvet, Red Velvet in the spotlight afford another opportunity in the near future because 
the, she's going to be a star for years to come. And Britt Baker is the one that's a star right now for the women's division in AEW. So that is number six on the countdown this week. Let's go to number five. Number five. Get the little bastard out of there. MJF caught red-handed as he tried to pass that dynamite diamond ring to Wardlow. Wait, look at Jericho's got a friend. And the security detail. Oh, the rat has left the building. Look at Jericho. He's got, what has he got in his hand there? He's got, he's got Floyd. Hello, he's got Floyd. Judas effect. Judas effect. Puff the big man. Flush. Hook of the leg. Pin. Cover. Win. Jericho. Number five goes into the world of A.W. Dynamite. <laughs> but the fourth labor of Jericho for Chris Jericho as he goes up against Wardlow. If he was to beat Wardlow, he would earn a shot at MJF and at the upcoming episode of AEW Dynamite. Of course, he does beat Wardlow and earns his chance at the best heel in wrestling today. Um, the one thing I will say, Chris Jericho is so damn good. He's so damn good. A lot of people have his feelings towards, uh, like, uh, you know, his physique and all. But at the end of the day, the guy can tell a compelling story no matter who the guy is and no matter the situation. And he could take an old-school formula of the monster heel, such as Wardlow, and going up against him in the face and get it over like, it, like it's the first time you experience this type of storytelling. He got the sympathy of the crowd. And during the beatdown from Wardlow, you know, the powerbomb after powerbomb after powerbomb. Some may say, very similar to the Brock Lesnar-John Cena SummerSlam 2014 match. Granted, again, it's the same formula. But it worked, and it was great. And you also, not only the beatdown that he got from Wardlow, you also had a constant interference of MJF anytime Chris Jericho gained the upper hand. And... That's why I did love the ending of it. When MJF got caught giving Wardlow the uh, AEW ring, which led to his ejection, during the uh, distraction, Jericho used Floyd, the bat, on Wardlow, setting up for the Judas effect and getting the victory. I mean, it, it was a great, great formula. Like, a great story they told from start to finish. And this, uh, besides the fact that Wardlow lost, he still looked strong in it. And one example I would say is when he uh, got the code breaker uh, put on him by Jericho early in the match, and he kicked out at one. It's moments like that that, you know, made him look strong. Also, it took a bat to also beat him, uh, to be defeated. So it's another thing, another uh, thing that made him look strong in the match. So one thing I will say, too, because I did, I want to add this in there. When the moment that, you know, Warlow kicked out of the uh, code breaker at one, JR made a great reference to where Jericho beat The Undertaker with the code breaker, but instead of saying The Undertaker, he called him the dead man. I kind of add, I like that little addition that uh, JR put in that. But overall, yeah, even though he lost, he still looked strong in that match. And overall, well, I'm glad Jericho got the victory. Now we get the another encounter between MJF and Jericho. Um, and even it's not a 
all out, it definitely will be the main event of next week's uh, Dynamite. And like Tony Khan said in the past on Busted Open Radio, they have enough talent on the roster to put on pay-per-view quality matches or shows every week. And it is evident because the look of what they've been doing. They they have enough people that they get us boom, every week. It's a, an exciting show every single week. And that's just one match. And then next week, we're going to get the great encounter between Chris Jericho and MJF. That was number five on the countdown. We got four spots to go. Let's see who got number four. Number four. Proud to say that I could beat John Cena. That's how good you are. Your career says it. It's, it's on the wall. You're good enough to stand in this ring and verbally joust with anybody. I, that's not my game, man. You're good enough to main event SummerSlam with the Tribal Chief. You're even good enough to, to win the WWE Championship. <laughs> but you're not good enough to win the Universal Championship. And you see, John, 20 plus years of missionary might have been good enough for you. But it wasn't good enough for Nikki Bella. Been protected, Roman. You've been protected by the shield. Hell, you almost ruined Seth Rollins. You ran Dean Ambrose out of WWE. You've had You've had 10 whole years, five WrestleMania main events, Paul Heyman in your corner, two lackeys to do your dirty work, the protection of the system, and it still isn't working. You need to be embarrassed. You people want a compelling story at SummerSlam, right? Whoa. All I gotta say is holy shit. What a difference four years makes. Just think about the promo four years ago where Roman Reigns and John, John Cena were trying to go at each other. And Roman Reigns wasn't really hitting it. And then Cena had to put him in his place saying, yo, this is a promo. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to put up a promo. And just schooled him on how you should do it. Fast forward four years, I think Roman might outshine Cena in this. And it... It was damn evident. When it just he slayed, he actually slayed Cena this time. I feel he was more confident on the stick, and it's good because this whole persona since last year he is not out of the park. A lot of people in the business are saying he's on top of his game right now, and I agree. And I'm sure anyone else that watches pro wrestling today will tell you the same thing. He ripped into him, and we'll get into that. Um, first thing I will go into with this whole segment is the length of it. People thought it was too long. Honestly, it could be long. It could be that long if it's compelling, and it was compelling. It was 26 minutes, and it did its job. A lot of people I saw on Twitter and internet wrestling community that were against this match. They weren't so for this match, but the moment this this segment aired, they flipped the script on how they felt on that match. They went from not wanting to see it to, holy shit, I got to see this. And that's what a good promo guy, a good worker, a good face, a good heel could do to get the people to be invested into the match. And from one promo, these guys got everyone. And I, I again, 
a lot of people that were against this match are now all of a sudden for it. I've seen a lot more people that are for this than against it. And kudos to them. It doesn't matter how long the segment could be. If it's compelling from the start to the finish, who cares how long it is? Because at the end of the day, you went from not liking it to liking it. Or if you didn't like it, you even wanted even more. So that was the first thing. Second thing, let's talk about Cena. Cena is one of the greatest on the mic. We all know that. He can really get the crowd going. He also could get the ooh, pardon me. He also could get the crowd booing. And of course, he does what he does best, and he gets a good line in there. And this time he did. He was talking about how Roman Reigns drove Dean Ambrose out of WWE, and the crowd went, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" That kind of response. And there, I, even it got me. It even got me. It's like, oh, you're going to mention Moxley? Wow. Okay. Okay. I like that. Then he also that he also mentioned that Roman Reigns almost ruined Seth Rollins' career. And I'm like, this, he just cut him twice. Wow. This is, this is big. But the, the thing that got him, the, I think, hit him the hardest was how he talked about Reigns. He had all the protection of the company. He has Paul Heyman. He has two lackeys that, you know, do all of his dirty work, and he still can't cut it. And I was like, damn, okay, he got him. And you would think that in 2017 he got punked out by Cena, but this time, no, he wouldn't have it. Let's go on the Roman side of the promo. He was on a different level. And... One thing, the first thing I'll bring up is he brought up the missionary position again. And he said, how the, as you heard in the clip, you know, you may be, you know, into the missionary for so long, but Nicky Bella wasn't. First great dig right there. Then he goes on to mock Cena's, you know, resume. Good. I like that part. Another part I like, which brings into the brand rivalry with this whole, you know, SmackDown versus Raw. I liked how he brought up Lashley into it, saying that Cena, you could be, you could become WWE champion, obviously, saying that he could beat Bobby Lashley, but he cannot win the Universal title, meaning can't beat him. You know, you go off the wrong, you know, be the man, you know, and, you know, beat Lashley, beat WWE champion, beat champion 17 times, but one thing you won't do, come on to my show and become the Universal champion and me. Being a part of history of the 17th world title. He doesn't want to be a part of that. And that's the story from this promo. Cena said that he would get beat up by Roman Reigns, but it would take three seconds that could make history. One, two, three. Pinning him in the middle of the ring, becoming Universal Champion, becoming the 17th world champion, breaking a record, which I. As a fan of Ric Flair, that's my all-time favorite. I hope it doesn't happen. But it does. There's interest in the match because of this promo and because of the story of the 17th world title. Is he going to do it? And with the rumors that Mr. Cena will be doing dates after SummerSlam, I don't know if they're trying to work us here. We'll see when it happens. We're less than a week away from SummerSlam. And we get to see what if Cena is going to be the 17-time world champion, or is Roman Reigns, the head of the table, the tribal chief, is he going to make John Cena acknowledge him? 
We'll find out this Saturday at SummerSlam. That was number four in the countdown. We got three spots left. Let's see who take number three. Let's check out right now. Number three. Shoot for a single like Kenny. Caught him with the V trigger. The Tiger Driver 98 reversed. Dante, he rolls him up. He rolls him up. Just couldn't quite close the deal. Backslide. Omega rolls through. Oh, bang. Oh, my God. Yes. What a thunderous knee right to the face. Another V trigger. And the Seidel brothers get a super kick party. One winged angel. That's not enough. Oh, no. Now he deserves that, more. What does he deserve it for, Don? He's a 20-year-old competitor. Oh, my God. He needs to learn to wait his turn is why he deserves it. The BTE V-trigger and the win for the Elite. Number three in a countdown this week goes to the world of, again, AW Dynamite with a six-man tag between the Elite with the, you know, Jackson and... Kenny Omega against the Sidell Brothers and Dante Martin for top flight. And holy crap. Now, we could talk about the elite veterans, very accomplished. They've done everything they have done in the world of professional wrestling. Sidell Brothers, Matt and Mike, accomplished veterans. They've done it all, too. Great talents. But at the end of the day, they had to do something. And that is to get a younger talent over and my oh my, did they do that perfectly. Dante Martin, incredible job. Incredible job. Going into the spotlight and making the best out of his moment. And the moment was for him to shine. And they all did an incredible job to protect him and give him that spotlight. As he did a great job in doing what he did throughout the course of the match. With what he was able to do. And I, I'll tell you right now, he had... Going into the match, he had that Cesaro moment. Now everyone knows in the Cesaro a few years ago uh, in the tag team match where he just went from one attack to another to another. He did a Swiss, uh, Swiss 1-9, went into a meaty roller to the uppercut and did a stop on someone else. Goes up on the top rope and does a splash, a fire splash for a near fall. Dante Martin had that kind of moment in this match. And that's when he, he was doing the parkour maneuvers to escape Kenny Omega, hitting, America, hitting Omega with a hurricanrana, getting in near fall, Matt Jackson with a moonsault. I mean, it, it was like one of those moments. I was like, holy crap, he's going to be something. If it's not as a you know, tag team wrestler, he will be an accomplished singles guy, without a doubt. They did an incredible job of making this guy look strong, as, as well as he did by himself, too. Um, another moment, I, I would say, as far as like the veteran guys helping the younger talent, is when the Seidel's um, set up, oh, pardon me, with uh, Dante Martin with a good move um, going to the outside. Is when they did the catapult where he was on the top rope and the both Seidel brothers, like, you know, got and launched him like a catapult onto all three members of the elite. Um, again, you had all the, you know, the Seidel's doing their thing, the elite doing their thing, but. Let's face it, the thing that made this match, like a lot of people would say, four out of five, A plus, if you want to call it, you know, letter grade, if you want to put it on a letter grade, the reason it was, was because of Dante Martin and 
the five men, the five, vet, five veterans, doing, being unselfish and helping that younger talent get over, and they did in that match, and they did an incredible job at doing it. And, uh, and like I said already, he's going to be an accomplished tag team wrestler, but I would like to see, may he, may he be the Shawn Michaels of that tag team and break out eventually, become a, a singles guy, and possibly one day go for the TNT Championship or the AEW World Title. That remains to be seen, but for now, I can't wait to see another match. I can't wait to see more of Dante Martin because he did it. He, he wooed me uh, on Wednesday night, and I can't wait to see more of him. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was number three in the countdown. We got two spots left. We haven't had any representation of NXT or Monday Night Raw. Um, can they possibly make the countdown? We'll find out right now who made number two. Number two. Moment for Elliot Dragunov. Here is his opponent, the TakeOver 36 NXT UK champ, the General Walter. But the match is still underway. Dragunov gets caught. Better and all into that counter by Dragunov. To the jaw of the bruiser way, going for that torpedo. Gets caught with the forearm by Dunn. With Walter looking on, Dunn again trying to cinch in. Dragging off, bitter in center of the ring. Dunn into the cover. Pete Dunn puts away Dragging off. And in the world of NXT, you got these two gentlemen. <laughs> Pete Dunn and Ilya Druganov get number two in the countdown this week. And all I had to say, one word, brutality. And that's what them two showed. They were brutal. Better word than that, aggressive. They were very aggressive. And that's what you're going to get. Those two words, if you say them two words, you're going to think of Pete Dunn and Ilya Druganov. They... Beat the piss out of each other, as you would see in that kind of UK strong, you know, the British strong style, if you want to put it as that. Them two literally just beat the hell out of each other. Um, and it, it was, like I said, one of the best matches of the week. I was into it, and and being, uh, you know, main event, the setup to the main event wasn't all that great, but they, they really paid it off with this one. It was a great main event match. Um, I did like the great zone with uh, Druganov's, uh arm. Uh, he couldn't put off the big moves, and that was because of what uh, Pete Dunne was doing. Doing what he does best is when he, like, pretty much he attacks body parts, and he just really, like, he bends them and stomps, and he's really brutal with, you know, how he attacks a certain body part. And kudos to Olya to, again, great in-ring psychology, telling the story. He was selling the arm. And again, a lost art. And as far as officiating with, uh, you know, the main roster, and I appreciate what WWE does with that. And they're getting better, I see. Um, storytelling. I, I, I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again. They, as far as NXT, they tell the best stories for the most part. And they, you know, really pay attention to detail, and they do. And Pete Dunne 
is amongst the, the top when it comes to that. He's every match that he is in, you, you're gonna see, you know, you're gonna see that, and they definitely dis didn't disappoint in this one. Um, last thing I would say is that I'm okay with the loss. A lot of people were uh, ticked off with Ilya Dragunov's uh, loss in this match. You know, he's going to be challenging for the NXT UK title against Walter at TakeOver 36. And a lot of people feel like a guy going into that match, he shouldn't be losing. But when you have a distraction with Walter that kept your eyes off one of the most, you know, <laughs> aggressive wrestlers on the roster, um, and Pete Dunne, if you're going to take your eye off him for one second, he's going to make you regret it, and they did. Walter caused a distraction. He attacked. Pete Dunne took advantage of that situation, uh, or their opportunity, and he got the victory. I'm okay with that, and anyone else. I mean, I, I can't see why a lot of people were upset by that. Um, it was Walter playing head, head games with him. It worked. It gives you that, oh, is he going to, you know, is Walter going to get into his mind at the match at TakeOver 36? That remains to be seen. That was the story they were trying to tell. Some people understood it. A lot of people had a lot of pro had a problem with him losing. Overall, it was a great match. And the ending sold me on their match even more at TakeOver 36. All right. So we just talked about nine moments and matches that occurred this week. We got one spot left. And we've talked about almost every show. But is there, uh, this guy, there's one match in particular that it has, without a doubt, should be number one. And we're going to talk about that right now. This is number one. Number one. No wrestling. Don Callis, Don Callis, oh, striking oh. referee Brian Hebner. Oh! oh. See? Yeah. Right between the legs once again. That's Kenny and, Omega. Yeah, Big City. And now wake up from I haven't seen them all day. And the Young Bucks. Sliding the chair to Omega. Unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to Hebner, the referee was with Callis. And remember, this is how Kenny Omega was able to defeat John Moxley for that AEW World Championship. Oh, he's going one wing and he's on the chair, guys. No. What? No. Oh, no, no. No, Christian, turn it around. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Right. Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's got it. He's got it. Oh, my goodness. Yo. Number one on the countdown this week goes to the world of AEW Rampage. Of course, the opening match of the, fir the first ever match of AEW Rampage gets the number one spot on the countdown this week. Kenny Omega defends the Impact World title against Captain Charisma, Christian Cage. And I'll tell you now, Kenny Omega did everything he could to keep... Christian Cage down and even had the Buffs come down to the ring and bring the chair. That ultimately cost him in the match as Christian turned the tables and used it on him. And there we have it, a new Impact World Champion. First of all, I'm glad Christian got the victory. He would be a great representative for uh, Impact. And whether it's a short-term reign, you know, a short reign or a long reign, it doesn't matter. I, I think it was a great moment for him. This was a opportunity that he should have had in WWE, not just a world champion 
for one night and have another, you know, small ring. He he should have, you know, had plenty of good opportunities. But it's sad as you're part of a tag team, one's a big star, one isn't. And you could say whatever you want about Christian that, oh, he's not compared to Edge. It's been told that there's only one guy the Undertaker trusts to call a match without him having any input, and he mentioned Christian Cage's name. Enough said right there. But as this is his great opportunity, and I'm glad that he won, but, you know, it, it's great for him and for a company that has done a lot for him as he has done a lot for that company. And for him to get this title, it, it, I, I, I really hope it is long-term. In a nutshell, I feel in reality it's going to be a winner-take-all. We're going to see, a, you know, a encounter between these two, and you're going to see them, you know, go at it at all out. Winner takes all, and then maybe Kenny Omega gets the title back. That remains to be seen. We don't know where they're going to go from this. But, I, I mean, the one thing I will say is that the fact that he did beat him, I, I you have to think in a way, could he beat Omega all out for the AEW title? Is that a possibility? I mean, he, he found a way to beat him. Now, here's the thing. It, people can say, well, he used a chair to beat Kenny Omega, but... Christian Cage, Kenny Omega, you know, asked the Young Bucks to bring down the chair. So he needed assistance to beat Christian Cage. He couldn't think, how am I going to beat this guy? He couldn't do it with everything else he usually does with every other opponent that he has faced, including Jade this past Saturday night. He found a way, no matter what, to get a victory. But with this one, he failed. Is it a possibility that he may drop another title? And only have the um, the mega championship after all out. I personally think it would be awesome. I know you would get the haters that would say, "Oh, another WWE guy gets the title." You know they rely too much on the WWE talent. No, it's a veteran that is, I think, deserving of, the, of this opportunity. Guy that came back after seven years and look where he he has done in this short period. I think he's done incredible work. And, again, deserves this title. And even if he doesn't get the AEW title, that's fine. But you're gonna, they're going to tell a really compelling story from now until All Out. And as far as that story they told in the ring, I thought was an incredible story they uh, told this past Friday night on AEW Rampage. Um, they definitely delivered. And overall, you had to sell us. And there was a lot of people in the internet wrestling community that felt that it was a lackluster, uh, you know, announcing, with AEW announcing that he was going to be the number one contender. You had to sell the fans on the match at All Out, and I think they delivered on that. They delivered this past week on AEW Rampage. I, for one, am excited for this match at All Out. And again, I personally think that they're going to probably go with the winner takes all, and Omega regains the title. But I... We could be surprised, and Christian Cage gets that title. Again, it, this is the beauty part of pro, pro wrestling. And one thing about AEW, they're not really predictable. We all thought Hangman Page would be in this position right now, and he's not. For whatever reason, we don't know. We don't know, and I don't think we'll know until later down the road. But for the moment, Christian Cage is, has this opportunity, and we don't know where they're going to go from here. That's the brilliant part. 
great storytelling. And this is why I love AEW, because they do things like that. All right, so that was the number one on the countdown. We are all done. We got two more segments left. Let's go to the shows of the week. Number five. Number five goes to NXT. Uh, they start off strong with the, uh, I'll say, with an honorable mention. Wish they could have made a countdown this week, but it didn't. Dakota Kai going up against Saray in a great one-on-one encounter to start off the show. And they had a pretty good, a uh, couple good matches in the course of the uh, episode. But the great main event between Pete Dunne and Ilya Dragunov, the number two in the countdown, is where it landed, is the reason it landed at number five. Number four. And number four goes to Impact Wrestling. I mean, they started off uh, early in the episode with a great tag team match between Finn Juice and the Bullet Club with the representatives of Chris Bay and Jay White. And in the show with a great battle royal, probably one of the best I've seen in a while, where we got a shocking victory with Brian Myers getting the victory and facing Christian Cage at the upcoming uh, pay-per-view that they have on Impact+. Plus. That is number four. Number three. Number three goes to WWE SmackDown this week. Uh, after the awesome 26-minute face-to-face between Roman Reigns and John Cena, um, you had a great match for the Intercontinental Championship between King Nakamura, the new champion, defeating previous champion Apollo Crews. Then... With the, another honorable mention this week, Kevin Owens and Baron Corbett faced off in a great one-on-one counter. I wish they could have made a countdown, but they just missed the cut. And then they finally end the show with a great contract signing for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Overall, it was a great show and deserves to be at number three. Number two. Number two, of course, they have to be so... At least the top three, because they always put on an incredible show. But it's weird that they only made number two. Well, obviously we're going to find out in a second what's number one, but let's discuss why AEW Dynamite's number two. Of course, it started off with the match we discussed with the six-man tag match between the Side of Brothers and Dante Martin going up against the Elite, followed by a great tag team match with the Impact Tag Team titles between the Good Brothers and the Dark Order, only to end in the show with a great main event the four labors of Jericho, the fourth one where Jericho defeated Warlow, earning his opportunity going up against MJF at the upcoming episode of Dynamite. And that was number two. Number one. And the number one show of the week goes to a new show, AW Rampage. Hey, it was one hour this is Rampage. and eight dollars and they didn't disappoint. Great rating, 700 plus, 700 K plus. While we go for not exactly the greatest for a show, and still got some good for that. The reason they made that countdown now is the number one on the countdown for the top show this week. Great opening match with the big pack world title, but she just didn't defeat it. 
Just pulling this. Just for Kenny Omega. Then he had that big moment. Good match between Miro and Fuego del Golf. Fuego is good at who he is all of these. Even though he lost the match, but they still gave him the uh, contract. Kind of similar to the Judge Maverick, and a lot of people made that comparison. But overall, still a great moment. It was still a good match, and it showed that Miro is a good worker. So that was the other thing. And then, this of course, the main event between the good doctor and Red Velvet for the AEW Women's Battle. And that was the top five shows of the year. All right. Now it's time for the power rankings. And we're going to give you our top five pro wrestlers of the week. And this is based on the performance of what they did. It's accomplishments. Uh, it's not a popularity. I th it goes by who they defeated, retaining the title, winning the title. It's the accomplishments that make the power records. And I'm going to go right now to number five. And it is the good doctor, Britt Baker, for her great defense in the first ever AEW Rampage, the first main event at AEW Rampage against Red Velvet. It was a great match, and she deserves to be number five. And number four, it goes to Chris Jericho defeating the Beast Wardlow and earning his chance at MJF at the upcoming episode of AEW Dynamite. And my number three goes to King Nakamura for defeating Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship this past week on SmackDown. He earns number three. And that number two goes to Brian Myers for winning the Battle Royal this past week on Impact Wrestling, earning his chance for the Impact World title. And then number one, without a doubt, to the peeps, Christian Cage gets the number one spot of the Power Rankings for his match of the week, beating the, probably the best wrestler right now in Kenny Omega for the World Impact World title. And ladies and gentlemen, that was my power rankings. And I'll tell it now, ladies and gentlemen, it, it was a shaky start, but you know what? Overall, I felt like a, like Roman Reigns, I got comfortable with my position doing the show solo. And maybe down the road, we would have someone tag team with me and we'll count down the best moments and matches in the world of pro professional wrestling. But for now, I'm going to enjoy it. And I thank you all for tuning in. And I thank you all that are going to be listening to this later on on our podcast. So let's get the info and then we'll get out of here and we'll see you next week on this show, on the Squared Circle Countdown. For people that are watching us right now, you can listen to the show on Anchor. Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify under the name Squared Circle Countdown. For people that are listening to podcasts, you can catch the video archives of the show or catch us live. But you can watch the show, show archives on YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, and Odyssey under the name Squared Circle Countdown. Also, you can follow our show at Squared Top 10. Follow us on Twitter at Squared Top 10. And we're going to be... Uh, Putting uh, info into uh, on the Twitter, uh, it's gonna be uh, pinned on the top of the profile. We have a new Discord server for people that are part of our podcast wrestle federation that we have. It's a group that we have on Twitter, but.
but we want to have a nice positive community where we can discuss pro wrestling and try to leave all the negativity that for Twitter. We'll have our interactions on Twitter, but I also want to interact with you, the uh, you know the viewer, the listeners, and viewers, or even other podcasts, not just my podcast, but others that are a part of this great community of uh, pro wrestling podcasts. Um, that is under the Podcast Wrestling Federation. I'm going to have the link on the top of the profile, and hopefully you can join and discuss pro wrestling with us. We have plenty of channels for every promotion, and then we also have two channels dedicated for people that if they want to record a podcast, you can listen to it in real time and be able to comment with them as they record it. So I think it's an exciting uh, thing we're starting here. And again, everyone that tuned in, thank you so much. This was awesome. And people that are listening to it, thank you for continuing to support the podcast. We will be back next week, 9 o'clock. We had a little late start because of the issues I was having on getting everything connected, which was kind of was expected, especially after an update with uh, Windows. And everyone, everyone with a Windows computer will tell you the same thing. They understand. But we will be back here next week at 9 p.m. Counting down the best moments in the world of professional wrestling. Till next time. See you next week. This is the Squared Circle Countdown. Later, everybody.